Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Jeremiah 6, 16. From Isaiah 30, 21. This is the way. Walk in it. Welcome back to another edition of Hope for Today. My question for you today is, what way are you walking? Do you think it is the right way? Or could it perhaps be that you perceive you're walking in the wrong way, but just can't seem to get back on the right path? How do you decide what is the right way as opposed to the wrong way? Of course, if you decided to rob a bank, you would know that wasn't right. Or if you were extremely mean or rude, surely you would know that wasn't a right way to act. Years ago, a friend gave me a small devotional book written by E. Stanley Jones, a Methodist missionary. The title of the book is The Way. Today, I'm going to share you some of his insights and Bible verses that might help you know if you are on the right way and if you are not on the right way to point you in the direction to get you on that way. But I can tell you now at the outset that it is only if you are on the right way that you will have peace. In regard to all phases of life in the universe, there is the way and not the way. In chemistry, H2O produces water. You may fight with the formula and try to twist it into something else. But in the end, you will surrender to it, accept it, or you will not produce water. Two parts of hydrogen and one of oxygen is the way, and everything else is not the way. Aviators tell us that every moment they must obey those laws upon which flying depends or else. There can be no moral holidays in the air. You obey or break. You gain mastery only by obedience. Aviation did not invent those laws or impose them. It discovers them. Can you do as you please and get away with it? Or do you find that to live well, there are certain things you must obey? In obedience to the way, do you get results? Or if not, do you get consequences? A woman said to the Reverend Jones, It's all right to do these things, provided you can get away with it. His reply to her, that is a big provided, for nobody gets away with it. The results register in you. You have to live with yourself, and the hell of being bad is a bad hell. He goes on to say that he used to think that the passage, be sure your sin will find you out, meant be sure your sin will be found out. It doesn't say so. Rather, it says your sin will find you out. It will register in you. It will cause deterioration, decay, and you will get consequences in yourself. Apparently, we are free to choose, but we are not free to choose the results of our choosing. I read somewhere not long ago that in the choices we make, we are choosing for our children, but the results seem to be in hands not our own. There is something here, something with which we must come to terms or get hurt. Jones's affirmation for that day is, There is a God, 
and I must come to terms with him. Then I'm going to read you some of his readings from his week one of his devotional book, The Way. Phyllis Broom in Survival says, We must not try to manipulate life. Rather, we must try to find out what life demands of us and train ourselves to fulfill these demands. It is a long and humble business. We must not try to manipulate life, and yet how many are trying just that, trying to make life work their way? They, and not life, are the center. They demand of life instead of listening to what life demands of them, and the results are written in frustration and wreckage. If you won't be humble, you will be humbled. The first step, then, is to be humble, to be teachable, to cease struggling and fighting, and to listen. Something is speaking, and speaking authoritatively. What is it? Above was quoted, we must try to find out what life demands of us. But life is vague, too impersonal. I want to relate myself to something that is both definite and personal. Something that can answer me, something with which I can commune. Behind life is there life, and behind life is there God, and behind God is there the Father. Is the Father that infinite spirit who creates us, loves us, and would redeem us, and whose character we have seen supremely and perfectly in Jesus? Is Jesus God become understandable? When we say God, do we think Jesus? Is Jesus the human life of God? Is he God stooping to our understanding and to our need? With the consent of all my being, I can answer all these questions in a glad affirmative. For in Jesus I see the uncovering of the nature of the divine, and my heart almost skips a beat when the thought forms. I wouldn't, if I could, have God otherwise than what I see in Christ. If I were to sit down to try to think out the kind of God I would like to see in the universe, for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything higher than that he should be like Christ. The moment we arrive at this conception, we feel we have arrived at an ultimate like two and two make four. Argument is at an end. We see. And Jones's affirmation for that day is, God is. God is like Christ. I am. I must be like Christ. We have come to the conclusion that God is that in character he is like Christ, and that this is the highest and noblest, and to me the ultimate conception of God. If I cannot think of God in these terms, I cannot think of him in any terms. If he is not like Christ, I am not interested. It is this or nothing. Can I prove this to you? No. But better, it can prove itself to you. The man who wants this proved to him is like a man who stands with his back to the sunset. I describe its breathtaking beauty. He says, I don't believe it. Prove it to me. I reply, I can't prove it to you, but turn around and look at it. It will prove itself to you. He replies, I won't. Prove it to me. Is he fair? I hold a rose in my hand and describe the sweetness of its fragrance to him. He closes his nostrils and says, I don't believe it. Prove it to me. I can't, I reply but open your nostrils and it will prove itself to you. He replies, I won't. Prove it to me. Is he fair? He is unfair both to the sunset and to the rose and to himself. 
You are going to be fair to God, to life, and to yourself in this quest, aren't you? You are going to let down all your barriers of prejudice, self-defense, fear, and make this a life adventure, a life quest. You are going to find God, life, yourself. You are going to put your feet upon the way. And the moment you do, something within you will whisper, this is it. You've struck it at last. And the whisper will be more certain than certainty, more real than reality. For it will not be a bare certainty or reality. It will be warm and tender and satisfying to the depths. It will satisfy the mind, appeal to the emotion, commit the will. It will have you. His affirmation for that day is, I cannot prove God. I am letting God prove himself to me. My barriers are down. And then there are many verses in the Bible that talk about walking with God and being on the way. From Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? From Galatians six sixteen, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From Colossians 2, 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The Bible is full of men and women who walk with God. But there were some who were disobedient and did not stay on the way. Even though some left the way for a time, if they confessed their sins and turned back to God, he forgave them. That is not to say that they did not suffer consequences for their sins, because many did. But our God is merciful and forgiving. And that is surely an undeserved but much appreciated blessing in our lives. If our main purpose in life is to bring glory to God, then I think the more we look like Jesus in our everyday life is a very good start. We, of course, will never be perfect like Jesus was, but we will no doubt feel better about ourselves and we will be pleasing God. Francis Havergal wrote the hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. And what follows is part of a devotion she wrote many years ago about our daily walk with God. Quote, Ask the Lord to take you wholly into his service and place all the hours of this day quite simply at his disposal and ask him to make and keep you ready to do just exactly what he appoints. Never mind about tomorrow. One day at a time is enough. Try it today and see if it is not a day of strange, almost curious peace so sweet that you will be only too thankful when tomorrow comes to ask him to take it also, till it will become a blessed habit to hold yourself simply and wholly at thy commandment for any manner of service. The whatsoever is not necessarily active work. It may be waiting, whether half an hour or half a lifetime, learning, suffering, sitting still. But shall we be less ready for these if any of them are his appointments for today? Let us ask him to prepare us for all that he is preparing for us. And now I'm going to read part of a devotion by an anonymous author that is on a page with this verse from Psalm 90:12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And the devotional that I'm going to read from right now is um, called Daily Strength for Daily Needs. And here it is. Every day, let us renew the consecration to God's service. Every day, let us, in his strength, pledge ourselves afresh to do his will, even in the smallest matters, and to turn aside from anything that may displease him. 
He does not bid us to bear the burdens of tomorrow, next week, or next year. Every day we are to come to Him in simple obedience and faith, asking help to keep us and aid us through that day's work. And tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, through years of long tomorrows, it will be but the same thing to do, leaving the future always in God's hands, sure that He can care for it better than we. Blessed trust that can thus confidently say, This hour is mine with its present duty. The next is God's, and when it comes, His presence will come with it. In closing, I'd like to read from Robert J. Morgan's Then Sings My Soul book, number two, and the story behind the hymn, Living for Jesus. In the 1950s, a frail figure would be seen on the boardwalk of Ocean Park, New Jersey. Though modest and shy, he was warmly greeted as he ducked in and out of shops and cafes. Behind his back, people would whisper, See that man? He's the author of Great is Thy Faithfulness, Living for Jesus, and O to Be Like Thee. His name was Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, and he had settled into the Methodist home for the aged in Ocean Park, New Jersey, to enjoy his sunset years. Thomas was born in 1866 in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky. His education was sparse, yet at age 16, he began teaching in the same one-room schoolhouse he had attended as a child. Four years later, the local newspaper, the Franklin Advocate, offered him a job. When Thomas was 27, the founder and president of Asbury College, Dr. H.C. Morrison, came to Franklin to preach. During that revival, Thomas found Christ as his Savior, and Dr. Morrison soon asked him to become office editor and business manager for the Pentecostal Herald, headquartered in Louisville. In 1903, Thomas applied for ordination in the Methodist Church and accepted the pastorate of a church in Scottsville, Kentucky. He labored there a single year before his health collapsed, forcing him to move to Winona Lake, Indiana, where his family had property. There he supported himself by selling insurance. Thomas wrote poems for personal therapy, some of which were republished and came to the attention of pastor-musician C. Harold Loudon of New Jersey. One day in 1915, Loudon composed a song for the children in his church. He called it the Sunshine Song and used it during a children's day service. Two years later, as Loudon prepared to publish a songbook, he wanted to use his tune but felt the words were lacking. He contacted Thomas, asking him to compose new words. Thomas returned it to me, Loudon later wrote, saying he didn't have the slightest idea as to the method used in writing words to music. Immediately, I sent the material back to him, telling him, I believe God led me to select him. Since Thomas couldn't read music, he asked his daughter to hum the melody over and over until he understood it enough to compose suitable words. Thus was born Living for Jesus. It was published in Loudon's collection of hymns, Uplifting Songs, in 1917. And now I'm going to read for you the words of Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please Him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Living for Jesus, who died in my place. Bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer His call. 
follow his leading and give him my all. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in his holy name, willing to suffer affliction or loss, deeming each trial a part of my cross, living for Jesus through earth's little while, my dearest treasure, the light of his smile, seeking the lost ones he died to redeem, bringing the weary to find rest in him. From God's Minute Prayer Book, give us this day some work to do for others, some kindly word to speak, some helpful unselfish deed to fulfill in thy name. Be with us each and every hour of this day, and may we so live that thy will may be done and thy kingdom come within our hearts. From John 10:28, Jesus said, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And from Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. Listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come into our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 